Hey folks, happy new year. This is Magellan punching in at the top of the show to first of all, thank you for listening. And second of all, let you know what it is you're looking at in your feed this week. This episode, Pilot Chats 14, is a rebroadcast of a Patreon-exclusive discussion from about a year ago in which we piloted the show that we'll be covering for Chats Season 10, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Now, while this isn't an official episode of the season itself, we wanted to put this out because we think it provides some good context for the show, our relationship to it, and our initial impressions. Thank you again so much for listening. Thank you to Six for joining us for this pilot and for the entire season. We really hope that you enjoy. I'll be back at the very end of the episode for a few special announcements, so stick around until then. And now, without further ado, live from Chat Studios on the Sunset Strip, it's Sunday morning in Hollywood. Listeners and welcome to Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. I'm Alan. That's Magellan. Hello, Magellan. Hey, what's up? On this episode, our special guest is Lorraine Newman. Hi. And musical guest. Whoa, oh my god. That's me, Lorraine. You You know, I'm doing great. Wait, is (laughs) Lorraine's a women's name? I don't remember. This is what I sound like, though. It's finally the only appropriate time for me to do my my Don Pardo impression. I forgot to do it. (laughs) Well, if we end up doing this show, then you get to do it as many times as you get a different one every week. You ever think about that, big boy? Oh, I didn't think about it. About that, big Joe? But that is very exciting. This is Pilot Chats. It's the patron show. Hi, everyone. Hello, Magellan. We are joined, if you couldn't tell, by Six from Scanline Media. Hello, I'm a celebrity. I mean, basically, it's one of the top podcast Patreons out there. Uh, we you know we do better than we do well i was gonna say you do better than you might think if you go to patreon.com so scanline media you can see exactly how well we do <laughs> so actually we can't really hide well we can't hide those numbers we it don't. creeps me out when people hide the numbers don't hide the numbers right like you only hide the numbers if you're making no money or if you're making too much money and you want to pretend to be poor mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep pretty much exactly right uh so six a friend of the pod uh my joe to quorum co-host and a good good friend uh, is joining us to talk about uh, everyone's favorite TV supervillain. Basically, the sort of like Dr. Evil of chats. Uh, it's Aaron Sorkin, folks. We're back. <laughs> uh, this time on Pilot Chats, we watched the pilot of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which is an American comedy drama TV series created and primarily written by the devil himself, Aaron Sorkin. Uh, it was about the production of a live comedy series similar to Saturday Night Live, if you didn't get our jokes already. It ran on NBC for 22 episodes from September 18th, 2006 to June 28th of 2007. NBC canceled the the series after one season. And fun fact, it's Aaron Storkin's only TV show not to air for more than one season. Honestly, if I could live in the world where the newsroom got one season and this got three (laughs) seasons, I feel like that's a better world. (laughs) Like overall? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It, we'll, we'll we'll get into it, but I think we're gonna be inevitably comparing it to the newsroom a lot because that was that was the show that we covered on chats three years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's it's a show run by him. It's hot off of the heels of the West Wing ending, and we watched the pilot, uh, which is called Pilot. It was written by Aaron himself. Uh, it was directed by Thomas Schlame. Tommy Schlame. Tommy Schlame. Yeah. Tommy Schlame. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, Cats can have little of Schlame. Yeah. But John, what happened in Pilot? 
Well, in this episode, the executive producer of a late-night sketch comedy show sparks a media frenzy when he has an on-air meltdown during a live broadcast. The newly appointed network president, Jordan McDeer, has to scramble to make things right by hiring back two former prized employees to become the new executive producers of her network's flagship program. In doing so, she appoints two former members of the team, writer Matt Albee and former sketch producer, now director Danny Tripp, who had left the show years before on terms that were not amicable. Meanwhile, Albie and ex-girlfriend Harriet Hayes come to terms with having to work on the show together very soon after their breakup. What do we? Well, what do we know about Studio 60? Have we seen it before? The first time? What's our? What are we coming to this with? Uh, I have seen bits and pieces, bobs, and bits. I would say, <laughs> um, because like a lot of other television shows, I would never choose to watch this on my own time. Oh right, you're uh, not. You hate Western TV. Right, but I lived as the the youngest youngest in a house of four, um, and the three elders sometimes <laughs> Every, watched everybody TV else got and the other Aaron Sorkin shows. So I was left with this. It, one. It's kind of how it went. <laughs> it kind of just like I would walk through and I'd be like, "Oh, they're watching," you know, like yeah, West the Wing, gets or the they're West watching yeah, yeah. Firefly, or they're watching whatever. And it's like I would either sit down or like stand and watch a bit or keep walking. I wish Firefly um, generally was written by Aaron sh- I'm sorry to correct you, but I wish it was written by Aaron. That, that's a Joss Whedon special. Yeah, no, sorry. I was I was t- speaking more generally about Western television. Of the shows that, that the appar- your folks would watch. Um, yeah, yeah, that's there was the also era. Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. Uh, he hasn't had too many TV shows, though. He's had, like, uh, obviously The West Wing, A New Newsroom. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what was the Sports Night? Sports Night. That's the other one, which I watched a little bit of Sports Night, and I remember liking it like 10 years ago. I probably would hate it now. His credits are actually pretty limited because i imagine he's one of those writers who just takes forever well, and he's done a lot of movies right that too, that too. that's why yes yeah what about you john well i have seen almost all of it oh, no. uh i don't remember the context in which i learned about this show but when i learned about it in college and it was like hey it's like a it's a long-form drama about a sketch comedy TV show starring Matthew Perry and Bradley Whitford. I was like, did I write this? <laughs> that sounds perfect. Um, and I did watch it on my own. I enjoy, I had the same experience then that I'm having now, which is that I enjoyed it and I couldn't tell if it was ironic and I don't care to investigate that about myself. Um, but then I just sort of st- Stopped watching it probably around episode ooh, like 17 or something. There's like a slow, stupid three-parter that happens towards the end of the season. Uh, and I was like, okay. Whenever Aaron Sorkin tries to get into like, this is the the arc. Here is the plot of these episodes. It's like, no, no, Oh, the no, no, Neil no. plot line. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Like whenever he's got his framing devices or like the whole, the whole Genoa thing from the oh! newsroom. <laughs> Right, it's like that. You're not. This isn't selling me on the show. So anyway, there's a there's a point at which Studio Sixty has something not the same as that, but kind of like that, and that's when I stopped watching. But before then, you know, I was fueled by the things that I found genuinely exciting and snappy and fun, and then also the moments that are really dumb, colossally so. Uh, and colossally I think that comes through a lot in this pilot. So. Uh, I've never watched. A full episode of Studio 60, but it's like every other Sorkin show where like clips get passed around and I've laughed at it or seen it in compilations. Um, the Sorkin show that I watched myself was the newsroom as it was airing. 
um, which I talked about. But uh, yeah, I never really got into the West Wing either. And I've seen like most of his movies, unfortunately. Um, I actually, I like the social network. I think aspects of the social network still hold up pretty well. Um, not for the reasons that he wanted them to, but it's this kind of like similar to, um, God, what is that thing? Oh, similar to the newsroom. Uh, the social network feels like a specific point of like how people made films for a while, uh, where it's just like, here's this really smart man who spa- who says smart things kind of thing. Uh, and I liked, uh, the American president cause it's actually pretty simple and not too, it's not him trying to grab for like big political ideas, even though it's literally about an American president. It's like a relatively straightforward movie. Um, yeah. So studio 60, uh, is, is going to be a fun one. I, I think it's a fun one to talk about because it isn't as discussed as much when people talk about Sorkin's work overall. Uh, like it's not, it's not made fun of like the newsroom is, it's not as easy to, to dunk on but i mean it's all there like it it feels watching this pilot like he just figured out his style at a certain point in his life and has been doing it ever since sure like i i literally when like people are walking around the set and talking really fast i was like yep i'm just watching a sorkin show like this is just how he does this he doesn't know how to make any show any other way and he doesn't know how to cast people of color except the one token character that's that's just the way he's always been And uh, this is just a thing to keep in mind while watching this show. Uh, this show, as we mentioned, only ends up going for one season. Um, and it is basically about uh, Saturday Night Live and other sketch comedy shows. And it was debuted on NBC at the same time as what other NBC show? 30 Rock. 30 Rock. Yes. These two were running in parallel. That's and that's so strange. Weird. I didn't yeah. realize Studio 60 was on NBC. That's odd. There, there were rumors that someone was like, "Oh, uh, people liked the the executives liked Thirty Rock more, and they didn't want two of the same show. Like, one of these is like funny and interesting and witty, and the other one is Aaron Sorkin, so they kept one. But I don't think that's exactly their whole reason. Yeah. Got canceled. It's also like first season Thirty Rock is also just a weird show and not very good. Well, this is a thing that we'll get into, but one of the I think one of the reasons it didn't last is that the show was fucking expensive. Oh yeah! Oh, it's so grandiose for what it is. Yeah, uh, will it, it will come up in this first episode? There will be parts where it's like, why did they spend this money here? But yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so tri- typical um, show of this type, I guess, if you want to like map it onto the newsroom, like it's one of the things that Sorkin loves is capturing the like slightly behind the scenes moments of something that everyone has seen in the newsroom. It's obviously mm-hmm. like a news broadcast, and in this, it's like a sketch comedy show. So we get D.L. Hewley's intro to Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip uh, for the audience before the actual episode. So he's kind of like doing the warm up, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we get this like really, um, I guess, up its I want to say up its own ass, but to not be so mean, I guess I would just say like ambitious maybe this like panning around the whole set of like look there's the costume people and the makeup people and judd hirsch is here and he wants to air this dumb religious sketch really really badly um he's talking to a boring man who wants him to replace it with another sketch called quote peripheral vision man which Mm -hmm. i will give them credit for sounds like a really dumb snl sketch that no one would remember um Mm -hmm. and you know, if you're going to like the liberal bat pa- back padding that I like in an Aaron Sorkin show or I, I find enjoyable. <laughs> that's, why, that's why you come to these things. Pretty much, man, uh, is is kind of like uh, hit slapped down a little bit by the fact that Judd Hirsch's character caves here. 
it feels like he's gonna have a moment where he's like we did the news and and like get his sketch to air but they're like nope i'm not gonna air it i decided you're right i'm sorry we'll air peripheral vision man and we get like five seconds of it in the background and it looks like garbage it's interesting to note during the open like the opening monologue uh he says that they're on their uh they're, this is the first episode was in 1996 yep um and he also says they're on their 20th season i guess that's two seasons a year so that must be 2006 is when this is set um but also uh snl's first episode was 1975 mm-hmm. so uh in this alternate reality where this is snl uh no one had the idea of snl for another 20 years <laughs> yeah it's 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 like I, I, I highly highly doubt that the show ever reckons with that like but because the, they do have moments where like the two the two main guys are talking uh backstage and they're like man a lot of people have been on this stage before and done a lot of amazing work and like they they live and breathe the history of the show but for it to air t- for 20 years less than snl did kind of like cha- messes with that a little bit it feels kind of strange yeah Mm-hmm. yeah it feels it feels like yeah, like the storied history was like remember five years ago when john was here right like uh, most of these people were probably just here you know this isn't like another generation of people like like snl actually is it's an institution mm-hmm. um the f- and the funniest yeah, thing to me about studio 60 is that this show thinks that snl could exist in los angeles <laughs> it's the most new york show the second funniest thing is that they think that snl could exist on a friday which is also i'm sleeping on a friday man yeah i'm out on a friday saturday snl is my excuse to stay in on a saturday you know right uh yeah i mean snl has always felt so completely tied to not only new york but the way that people in new york go about their weekends where it's like oh you're gonna be out late and you might go to a bar you might like some people want to like stay in and like catch a show really late at night because people stay up later in new york uh because things are open later uh it makes perfect sense in that environment as soon as you put it in la it's like what about hollywood what about la did you think was good for a sketch comedy show i guess celebrities being closer yeah, I'm from mm-hmm. uh, I'm from LA, and I can tell you that people here go to bed at around six p.m. You really can't get anything done after seven. <laughs> no one's awake anymore. Um, yeah, the idea right, of a night right. show is and just who's ridiculous. gonna go to these two a.m. after parties and get hammered and then like take La Siena go drinking over? in California? Yeah, people wouldn't don't happen. Do that. Wouldn't be happen. Me. Yeah, uh, and then I'll, I'll ultimately, like I so I like I, I have liked SNL in the past. I think SNL right now is 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 not it's not exactly great. Um, and I understand why it's important for TV and for all the actors that have come and gone on it. But that's the thing that like burns me out immediately watching this is like, yeah, them going around the backstage and being like, look at all the cast and crew. I'm like, I don't care. Like sketch comedy is kind of cool. Sure. But like, I just don't care about the, the framework of this show. It doesn't interest me. And then maybe that's me, you know, maybe that's, that's just like uh, this show might not be written for me, but it doesn't feel as inherently interesting as or politically uh, have like political potential like news. It does. makes me wonder why Sorkin wanted to do it because, uh, yeah, like a sketch comedy show is not an institution that is they make decisions about like how to respond to current events, which is maybe what he liked about it. But so much sketch comedy is bad and there there isn't really like a tv sketch comedy moment that you can point to and be like yes this is when we did it right because that stuff was also bad and 
<laughs> have an episode set right after 9-11 and everyone gathers and says, we yeah, did the jokes. Right, right. <laughs> like people didn't want to have any jokes tonight, but we, we fucking got them. We made them smile. <laughs> Take that, terrorists. But like... You say this as if as if this show wouldn't absolutely do that if they had the time, if they were in the time. As, as, as if, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it will do that. <laughs> Something bad is going to happen, and they're going to be like, you know what people need, goddammit? They're going to need jokes. If that happens, I'll eat my lunch. But it will yeah. happen. Here, here's, my, here's my thing about, about Studio 60 and its sort of point of view on sketch comedy is that it seems like every single character is devoid of the desire to make people <laughs> laugh. It doesn't, seem like any, it doesn't seem like any character wants to be yeah. funny. It seems like every character wants to, like like skewer and get them. And that's part of sketch comedy. But if it's just a room full of people who are like, take that Christians, <laughs> like that's not a good show. Comedy for the sake of negativity sucks. Absolutely. Um, and comedy for the sake of social criticism alone also sucks. This brings me to my first major problem with this pilot, which is that the show hinges on this moment where Judd Hirsch's character, um, does he have a name? We should probably learn his name, right? Uh, Wes. Wes. It's Wes. Uh, Wes, after not getting his sketch aired, is is sick and tired of the way things are going. And during the cult, the opening uh, of Studio 60 this night, he go- goes in front of the camera and basically says, stop, stop, stop. Everybody who's watching, change the channel. TV is a joke. You're all get. It's like the most toothless criticism of America that I've seen in a TV show in a while. And I know that's like... That remote in your hand is a crack He pipe. literally says the remote. <laughs> Fight. <laughs> shut the fuck up oh my god <laughs> you cannot oh judd hirsch god. oh my god and it's just it's like w- the moment in in the news that's the equivalent is obviously uh, america's not the greatest country in the world but it could be which like is mm-hmm. still i think an interesting uh quotation it's an interesting moment because it's like oh the people who believe that are this and and people can disagree with it for this reason but like yeah i'm sure most people know that tv is bad for you even in 2006 they're not stupid this is a critique that makes sense in yeah. like the fifties, dog. <laughs> no, right. But, but that's right, what exactly. makes it weirder, and I feel like it makes it more alien. Is like this isn't you know I don't agree with the sentiment that America used to be the greatest in the world, right? right? I don't think sure. that's true, but I can understand it as opposed to people being like, "Remember when I Love Lucy was on the air? That's when art was real." Yeah. Like, what are you right. talking about? Right. And also to continue the comparison with the newsroom uh, super centrist man speech, that that felt like weird, but like it could happen. Yes. That he's on a panel and then someone's like, here's this question that just finally ticks him off enough that he speaks his mind. This this is a nuts setup. I just really want to stress that they're talking about cutting a sketch like a couple minutes before they go to air, which doesn't, maybe that happens, but like, I don't know that that happens that often. And then it just doesn't seem like it's worth sticking up for like, Oh, the Christians, I'm really going to get them with this sketch. We learn. And then we learn later that this sketch was one that Matt Albee wrote four years ago. Which also doesn't make any it's sense. It's his baby. They finally air, are going to air his baby. They broke it out of the vault. They broke the seal because they needed a gem tonight. It's just, it's nuts. And then it's called 
No, never mind. I don't want to spoil it. Talk about it later. But that was my favorite I, line when they say the name of the sketch. I also do like that throughout the whole like thing they're just like we really don't feel like you're going to get the point we're going to play like like horror music underneath this rant where it's like you should be really scared that he's mad about tv <laughs> this hmm. music is just really woof right and and what what further makes it like unbelievable is that this all the only reason that this is able to go on for as long as it does i think they say like 52 or 56 seconds is because cal shanley the guy in the booth who you know sorkin loves showing the guy in the booth uh, and it always has to be the same type of character who's like, that's the guy that writes my checks. Nobody else can tell me to hit the stop button and nobody can jump over me and just hit the button mm-hmm. and save their lives because I'm the only well, one who has to do it. The corporate tools wouldn't know what button to hit. His fucking coworkers can know what button to hit. Someone can. It's all about loyalty around here, Alan. It, that that is the part that felt the most uh, implausible to me was that everyone is standing three <laughs> inches away from him, being like, "Hey, dude, turn it off." And he's like, "No." And they're like, "Please." And he's like, "No." <laughs> just, it's a button. Just just cut the camera. Yeah, walk right, in front of it. Right. Why is this hard at all? Uh, it's like really, really weird, and you know. I, I don't want to. I, I do want to completely dunk on this, but there are things I thought were kind of fun, like the mm-hmm. the pres the opening presidential sketch that he interrupts is kind of spot on. Um, spot on, and how bad it is, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this is a thing that we're gonna we're gonna have. Um, so that what they're trying to set up at the beginning here is that this is a show in crisis where like the writing is really bad, and the staff is just like, man, we just can't. You know, like we've got good people here, but we don't have funny. Yeah. Um, and. That works really well in this episode because nothing we're shown is funny. The problem that we're going to encounter as we go along is it's like, wait, no, the good writers are here now. And as the audience, you will go, no, they no, are oh, not. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah. And so from there, once they finally get that cut, uh, we are introduced to the character of Jordan, who I have a lot of thoughts about. She's at a fancy, <laughs> she's at a fancy dinner where she's being invited to a production, a media group because she's her ratings went up 0.5 percent or whatever. I love that. Like in ratings, numbers being very going up by a very, it's like stocks almost where like they go up a one percent and it's like you changed the world. You're amazing. Um, and she is she, the thing I don't like about Jordan's character because she's like the lady, right? She's the lady of the show, the lead woman character. Um, yes. she always looks confident and I don't understand about what, like she just has this like smugness and like, like I know the next, she's like playing three dimensional chess in her head. And I'm like, what, why? Like what you're the head of like a fucking sketch comedy show. Like, what are you so smug about? She is so many Sorkin yes. women. She is like, it opens with a monologue about how qualified and smart she is. And then she gets to spend the rest of the time being like quippy and flirty in a way that doesn't make no, sense for her position. Yeah. Work. It it really the thing that dawned on me in this watch with that that uh, speech about her pedigree is it's so so deeply misogynist that Aaron Sorkin has to introduce a female character by being like, okay, so I know women aren't qualified. <laughs> But this woman, <laughs> she's you guys, done. no guys, she's done a lot. Like, yeah, listen, great. she's she's a different kind of lady. Okay, so she's we're allowed like to girls. like her and respect her. Mm-hmm. All right, on with the show. Okay, now now. Uh, uh, by the, but don't worry, I'm still going to make jokes. Literally in this first episode about how she can't drive. And don't worry, her boss is going to be like, "Oh, you want to bring back these writers? What do you have a crush on one of them?" 
And don't worry, you guys. She's going to pause and think about it. Don't, don't ah! you fret. <laughs> and then flirt with them later. Yes. Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. Gosh. Yep. 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 Uh, one of the most bonkers things about this pilot also, as we as we keep going, is that they transition almost out of every major scene with a musical number. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of licensed music in this show. Um, most of it isn't good, well used. It's good songs used terribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, not just like, oh, we licensed, like they licensed under pressure, right? But like, not just that, like they actually have Three Six Mafia <laughs> there for like a three second shot of them performing. Why did Three Six Mafia for the scene? They're busy. What's Let wrong them with do you? <laughs> Juicy J was like Aaron Sorkin. You gotta do. <laughs> you don't forget to cash the check, please. <laughs> He's just. I can't even believe this. I I saw that. I was like, wait, no, no, that's real. That's not actors. That's actually Three Six Mafia. Uh, um so that's their cut is back to the the studio um we get the main guy get that uh what's his name main guy who got went on stage getting fired um wes we have this extremely boring expository boardroom scene where everybody on the board explains what they do because one of them's like you know productions go- costs are going up x percent i know because i'm the production lady and the writing guy is like the writing scripts have been bad i'm one of the writers it sucks and <laughs> the financier's like everything's expensive i'm the money guy <laughs> it, it's it's so weird because it is just like a, a, a noun swapped version of like the west wing sitting down in the situation yep. room it is very much like what's the cia think only it's what does the press think <laughs> it's like this is so weird it, it, there's so much copy pasted stuff that he does from show to show it's bananas um another one is when we transition out of jordan's introductory scene it's ev- she's saying like oh i'm getting a phone call i'll be right back it's probably nothing and then we get the thing that's in every single aaron sorkin show where mm-hmm. everybody's phone goes off at once and it's like ring 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 mm-hmm. ring oh no the news like it's like aaron's afraid of phones <laughs> like he actually is afraid of cell phones um, yeah. which he should be because they will eat him and suck out his soul but uh, you know that's fine mm-hmm. um, and then you think okay we get we have our like characters now and they're like no 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 you don't even ha- we're like 20 minutes into the episode and we don't have our main cast yet here's, here's here's Matt and Danny yeah here's my thing with this episode is I think that Aaron Sorkin wrote it linearly and didn't go back and revise it <laughs> <laughs> because the way it's structured it's like yeah, they talk about the two main characters for, and you could say it's building tension, building suspense, but like you don't, I don't know, the reveal of them isn't enough that that it, it needed to have that build up. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it just felt like he was writing through and he's like, okay, then this scene, then this scene, then this scene, and then they're going to do this. And then the episode's done. Are we, by the way, are we past also- the mon- the opening or the monologue, crazy monologue on TV part? Uh, we are, but you can yes. go back. To I just wanted to talk about the news coverage of it uh, the oh my next God. day. <laughs> Where every single because network is like... <laughs> you can't... Here's the thing, Sorkin. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, Aaron? You, Aaron. You're not allowed to do an homage to network and then have all of the news anchors explain in an homage to network, the film network. I felt like I was gone crazy pills, guys. I The first one is like, in an homage to the film Network by blah, blah, blah. And the second one's like, just like the main character from Network. And the third one's like, you know, in the film, he's doing a Network. And then I think it's Jordan who's like, wow, at least they know the guy who directed Network. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. What's wrong with you? 
then later, nothing works. <laughs> she's talking to what's his face, the the bird face guy who I like. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember his name. It's like Chet or something, or like I know, think it's Chet. It's not Chet, is it? Like Mark Cal, the guy in the booth. No, not the guy in the booth. The the network guy who's Jordan's boss. Oh, Jack. Jack. Oh, Rudolph. Jack. 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 When she's talking to Jack, and then he says something about like, "Well, we're not going to do what happened in the movie and give him a show back, right?" And she's like, "No, I have a better idea." Uh, and it's like, "Okay, Sorkin, so you can't do a network homage and then say, hey, I did a network homage.'" And then say, hey, now my plot is going to be better than the movie the network. network. <laughs> At least they've all heard of Patty Chayefsky. Also, no news that no like modern day news network would ever reference a, like the movie, the film network in that way. That's just so it's like I think it's a little bit too inside baseball for. Well, it was 2000. It was a different. That's time. true. That's true. Maybe in mm, 2007, everyone had watched uh the watched, sad thing know, about this whole thing is that Network is like a very good movie that holds up really well. Yeah. That's a great yeah. movie. Um, but not for the reasons that, not for this stuff. <laughs> not for like guy yelling on TV about how the world is bad. And then they make him into a celebrity or whatever. Um, so we're introduced to uh, our two main boys, Matt Albee and Danny Tripp, played by Matthew Perry and Bradley Whitford, respectfully. Uh, respectfully. Uh, and respectfully. Yes. <laughs> I was like, is there a different word there? Uh, so Matt... Albie is on a bunch of drugs because he just had surgery and his entire gag for most of this episode is, Hey guys, I'm on drugs. Did you know I'm on drugs right now? Here are the drugs I'm on. I'm on a lot of drugs. Sorry. I'm being weird. I'm on a lot of drugs. Again, just repeating, repeating, repeating the same gag yeah. over and over again. Mm-hmm. And Danny's job, I actually think that uh, Bradley Whitford handles this character really well here, is just to be like, dude, please, please, be cool, please. We, we could have jobs if you were cool. <laughs> and, like, the few times, we'll get to it, but, like, the few times where uh, where Matthew Perry gets to just do, like, actual acting and not be, you know, like, Sorkin wacky, I think he kills great. it. Matthew Perry is a... I, I think I'm okay saying he's a good actor. I think I'm okay with that. He's a good Matthew actor. Matthew Perry and Bradley Whitford are both so good. Yeah. They're so fun. Like, they do... Maybe Matt Perry, Matthew Perry's coming across as not as good at the Sorkin-y stuff because Matt Albee is written <laughs> insanely. Um, yeah. But I think they're both, like, really fun at the Sorkin-y stuff and just good. And for me right now, they're my biggest draw to the show is the friendship between Matt and Danny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, Bradley Woodford I know from us and also uh, the Cabin in the Woods and the West Wing so he's been in a lot of stuff uh, not us sorry get out the other <laughs> the other Jordan Peele movie um, but yeah so they're, they're pretty good they're talking about just like drug stuff and being uh, and then fucking Matt this is such an unrealistic scene but whatever we're not even in the realm of realism anymore uh, Matt wins an award and doesn't realize that he's holding it and doesn't realize that he went on stage and the whole gag is like, isn't it funny that he's on drugs, you guys? I'm like, it's not, but... Uh, he does really sell that reaction of when uh, Danny's like, Matt, walk on stage now. What? You just won. Hey, that's great. Wow. <laughs> cool. Whoa, an award. Cool for me. Yes, for you. You did it. Um, and I'm really... There are some lines that I'm really such a sucker for. And I feel like Sorkin's playing with me and messing with me, but there are there are things that he writes where I'm like, that's good. Uh, like when mm-hmm. someone's like, was he going to be okay up there? And Danny says, accepting awards in front of ballrooms of people is the only place where he is okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
what do you mean? Aaron. Uh, so um, we find out that Matt was dating someone named Harriet who works on the show currently. Um, we we laugh on them. And then another musical fade. Uh, we're talking about L.A. Baby. So we got a fade on Tupac's California Love. That's the only way you can do this. <laughs> Spend more money. Just rake that money. You can't license this many songs for 10 seconds of them while you transfer your scenes. It's really bad. Um, and now that they're like, all right, all the important characters are out of the way. Let's get Harriet introduced. And I'm sorry, folks. I kind of like Harriet. Harriet's Harriet's good. I don't think she's written as well as she needs to be, and that's not a surprise. Yeah. But Sarah Paulson can't bring any more than she's giving here in this. In this, yeah, she uh, she really she does a great job. Um. Also love that she instantaneously breaks the Bechdel test by talking to a man about another man that she's in love with. <laughs> like <laughs> literally the like no, we don't need to know how to write women. That's not that's not relevant. Um, a bunch of drunk uh, other employees at a party, including the guy from The Big Bang Theory, who's like on this show, Simon Helberg. It's distracting um, every time. Very distracting, yeah. Um, one of them is like, oh, like you, you're that, you're the religious one, isn't that weird? Like, how, was God there for you when you when you didn't get your sketch taken on on onto the show? And she just has to tell them to fuck off. I, I, so this is one of the like thematic ideas that I hope the show tries to deal with. Is like, how do you be? How are you a person of faith on a sketch comedy show where like there's so much of comedy is like kind of like poking fun at, at religious people and religious extremists and that kind of thing. Alan, my friend. Hello. Uh, it is the January the 8th, 2020. It is Wednesday, my dudes. You are sitting here and you are saying, I really want to see Aaron Sorkin talk yes. about how faith interacts with comedy. You yes. really want that? <laughs> I do want that. No, it, do I think it's going to be good? Absolutely not going to be good. I do want it because I'm not because I'm going to laugh at it. This is going to be hell. Yes, that's the idea. That's why we're doing this. Uh. It's the kind of it's the kind of character relationship description. If you say, okay, the guy is super cynical, atheist, you know, snarky comedy guy, and the as I'm describing it, it sounds awful. <laughs> but I was going to say that like centering a character relationship around like this tension over uh you know hating faith because it causes people to be awful and loving faith because it like gives people what they need that's a really cool tension to dig into it feels so contrived that it's that it's juxtaposed or not juxtaposed but that it's paired with this comedy world. And I guess it feels strange in that way because like, when was the last time that you saw a sketch that made fun of Christians? Right. I don't know. Or at least Sorkin's right. TV has been (laughs) deballed. That's what he, that's what he took from the world. Not doing any jokes about religion anymore. He's like, Oh, because they can't because they're cowards. I'm going to do it. Like, no, they would, they stop. Get your Netflix Netflix special, Sorkin. We'll give you our, give you a stand-up called hashtag triggered. Oh God. <laughs> Forgot about that. Um, I do want to shout out uh, that Harriet does have a line after all of this goes down where she turns to one of the other, one of the other characters and goes, please let me watch you smoke a cigarette, which yes, yes. as a person who's quit. Yes. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> I just need to look at you smoking a cigarette. It'll make you feel Get good. a little bit of secondhand and it'll be all right. 
I would bet you that's just one of those lines where I'm like, was Aaron Sorkin either a smoker or a former smoker? Like that just feels written from a book of someone who knows it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um, my, my thing though, with the overall script here is there's no tension in the question of are Matt and Danny going to join the show? Because we know that's the premise of the show. True. Like true. Do, do TV writers like envision a pilot? Like maybe that's just cause how you write a pilot is like, you have to expect that people don't know anything about the show going in. You have to tell them everything in the first one. But this whole setup of like, what if they say no? And it's like, no, it's even if I didn't know that that was the premise, it's a TV show like the main characters that you introduced are going to join it. They're not going to be like, no, I hate this. And then we have to deal with that. Like, no, of course not. So it, it removes all of the tension of this like question that, that hangs over most of this pilot. Yeah. I guess that's what I mean by like um, it being written linearly. It almost feels like Sorkin is discovering himself what the show is about as he's mm-hmm. going through it. Because if you were to reformat or revise this, you might just start, at the the you know them putting together their first show or something and then flash back to all the stuff that led them there i don't know if that's better but um i definitely also felt that same thing of when they go to walk out on the stage at the very end i had the feeling of like okay cool act one of the episode now feels done and now we can do the episode but then it it's over that's the pilot yeah well, so there are two things. One is I think they do like I mean they do have the moment after the meeting where where Danny stomps out and Matt is like, "Hey, I mean, we're going to take the job." Like, duh, right? Like it's <laughs> of course we are. Just, <laughs> yeah, you know, right, hang on. We got to go work this out. And I feel like that's a little bit of an accommodation. But also, I think a thing that is going to be a weird tension throughout this whole show and and is the reason that it seems like it stops with act one is that this is a show about the sausage being made where they don't know how the sausage is made and yeah. so they are always going to yeah. they're like they're going to be like and here's the casing and here's the room where we put all the meat in it no you can't bring cameras in here and don't so look, it's constantly look. going to have weird cuts whenever it's like okay and time to make funny bye right if we get a yeah. scene where they're like it's time to write the script and then they like the camera follows them as they go into the room and then the door closes on the camera that's it that's what you're talking that's kind of the idea you're talking about where like yeah yeah because they don't they don't have any idea like sorkin has no idea like he can tell jokes now and then and sometimes they're funny if you gave him a sketch comedy show and you gave him a month to produce each episode and he had a billion dollars it would be atrocious he couldn't do it no matter <laughs> what resources you gave him and that's that's something I always used to like about about Sorkin's vibe is that it felt like he had been like he's been in situation rooms. He's been in newsrooms for like years and years. Um, and like one of my favorite films, Almost Famous, uh, was written by Cameron Crowe, who lived basically the child like in his childhood, the life of the main character where he like got to like tour with a bunch of bands and write about them as a journalist. And you feel that in the show. You feel like he genuinely was there and knows what it's like in the in behind the scenes. Even though Sorkin has done these things, and I'm sure maybe he was like in the back room of like SNL once or twice, this doesn't feel like someone who knows what SNL looks like. I don't think this is anything like how SNL no. works. Yeah, it doesn't. All of the things that he knows are things that he probably researched. Like yeah. the opening thing of here's how we introduce the show. It feels like trivia more so than that's a great point than lived experience because you got to imagine that like the behind the scenes of uh, of SNL or a sketch comedy show like that mm. 
or it's going to be full of really weird, wacky stuff that you couldn't, and like little ticks that people have or rituals that people have that you can't just invent. You could think of things like them, but probably not do so with the level of, of fidelity that's true to the experience unless you actually had it. Mm. And so it feels like Sorkin's coming to sketch comedy with the brain of like a screenwriter or a, or a journalist even where yeah. it's like, okay, here's the premise. And now like, this is how we're going to tackle it. And we're going to da 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 da, which is maybe how some sketches are produced, but sometimes it's just like, Oh, it's sure would be funny. If this guy was a frog, <laughs> then you just do it and you're up until 4 a.m. not writing it and it gets done. <laughs> and then there's a dead, you know? like, yeah, yeah. There's a deadline and you're like, um, <laughs> actually maybe can all of this. And it, it, yeah, it's just, it's so jarring for the show to be about sketch comedy and to be written in a way that has none of the... Uh, none of the sensibilities of sketch comedy, not that the show needs to be wacky, but like even going back to the, to when Wes is giving his speech, I could envision another version of that scene where he like goes to give the speech and he's trying. And then it just, he does get cut off and Mm -hmm. he does get carted away. And that maybe that's a, a better show than it like taking itself super seriously and doing dramatic music and then cutting to like the down studio right thing. If the show had more moments that were like punchliney as opposed to whatever it is it's doing. Right. Like use the use the language of the thing that you're you're doing a behind the scenes of to tell your story. Don't just like pretend you know about it and then like hand wave it like oh don't worry about how this is actually made yeah it feels like the writing the writing is not shifting to match the the world the source material or whatever yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so it does feel like a palette swap of other things that he's done what it ends up being is matt and uh and danny sitting in a car on set making a thousand jokes about being on drugs like man we should really join the show and then matt's like i'm on drugs and then they get out of the car and you're like oh they were in a night like this moment is kind of shot to be kind of cool but then it's just i don't know it's not that cool where they're in it looks like they're actually in a car and then they get up and they're on set and you're like oh that's fun Mm -hmm. but what is that that doesn't really say anything you could really dig into that if you wanted to but it's not that funny yeah, it's just cute. But, <laughs> yeah, it is cute. Yeah. Well, and but like, I mean, other than the the drug jokes, which uh, so we should just briefly. Um, and I'm not I'm not here to drag or shame anyone, right? Mm-hmm. But it is an interesting choice to have. Like, okay, so they have uh Matt Matthew Perry's character, who's named after himself, which is uh, of course yeah. uh, be the uh sober character who's in the ep- this episode on drugs, and Bradley Whitford has the drug problem. Uh, when in real life, Matthew Perry has a drug problem. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a just a weird. Th- that would be weird for me if I was like, "Oh, I'm acting alongside this guy who's gonna be the one on drugs." Hmm. All right. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I guess you know, acting that's just kind of how it goes. Um, but their <laughs> exchange there, like when he's he's talking with him about like about having relapsed i actually think that conversation is like really nice and they're like yeah. they're the chemistry there really works like there's a point where um like danny says like you can get another director you can get a better director and matt says i don't want a better i don't want another director i want you and he sits down and danny says the joke was 
I don't want a better director. I want you. And Matt says, I know what the joke was. Yeah. Just, just like, yes, I've, I've yeah. had those conversations yeah. with people where I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no, I didn't want to make a joke. I'm trying to be serious right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love the way that he delivers when he's talking to Danny and he's like, you know, you, you did whatever you didn't tell me. And he's not like mad about it, but he's like, are we good? Like, what's going on, man? I thought we mm-hmm. talked about stuff. Um, their their relationship feels so honest and real, and I wonder I wonder if it helps. I mean, you know, it's probably not easy for Matthew Perry to be in close proximity with a character who has a drug problem, but I wonder if that helps his performance in a way. Of like, mm. if I could say this to myself, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the thought. But also, I mean. I think uh, Bradley Whitford does a really good job because he's like he's not evasive, but he like he's giving short answers and he doesn't want to make eye contact. So mm-hmm. it's like he's trying to be open, but he's clearly like embarrassed and doesn't want to talk about it. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like, yeah, when he's like, nothing happened; it just happened. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Matt's like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean? What are you talking about?" Before that car scene, though, we get the most absurd scene of the whole episode. I'm sorry to, to pivot to, from a really poignant moment to the dumbest moment of the episode. <laughs> but that's the way this is going to go. Um, we get the reveal of how Harriet and Matt broke up, which is framed, like I said, another one of those, like, is this a mystery? Everyone's like, what did you guys break up? Was it over the religious sketch? And, like, Harriet's like, no, it's not about the religious sketch. Like, it's really not. Well, no, but- that's, but that's not it. Everyone somehow knows the Star Spangled Banner story. Like or yeah, correct. every person, it's, because I, what I thought is that when Matthew Perry was telling it at the dinner table, it was like, a this just happened between us in a private room. So now I'm telling you about it. But then all of their friends somehow know like the catchphrase of this, their personal story. It was so odd. The implications I got was that everyone who asks Harriet says, I don't want to talk about it. And Matt says, oh, it was the Star Stangled Banner. Mm, yeah. Um, and so we get them backstage where they reveal to the the audience um, that the major thing that set them off to, to for their breakup is that Harriet uh, sang at a Pat Robertson charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Robertson, known uh, hard right Christian bigot piece of garbage, mm-hmm. um, just religious con artist, basically. Um, and Matt is like, that's a bigot. You worked for him. And she's like, he's not the only person at the charity and I didn't do it for him. He's just the guy on the, on the front cover. And so it's like, well, we didn't want to split hairs. So I don't like you. And we're breaking up over this. Yeah. I mean, it's intense and there's obviously a conversation to be had about like, yeah, is, am I doing it for him or am I doing it because I want to do it for people who are, who have faith and who care about religion actually. Because if you, that's one of the hard things about like being a comedian or being an artist who's also religious these days is sometimes you have to, you, you might be approaching the like act of courting terrible people, but you're always in that. You're always on that line, right? Like Mm -hmm. you might always be like appealing to people who suck, you know, especially in comedy, you know? So I think that's why I was like, oh, Harriet's like kind of an interesting character here, but Mm -hmm. Well, what was the part that you were saying you were going to name drop later? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this That's is my good. favorite. I want, I want that. This is my favorite line of the whole episode. Uh, when when they're fighting and um, first of all, the <laughs> Matt is like when he tells her that he's going to be co-running the show, 
He says, I'm your boss now, so we're going to have to postpone this fight for a couple years. A couple years? That's a pretty good line. Um, But then my favorite line of the whole thing is um, Harriet is, is like, hey, you know, you may think that I'm Christian. I sang for a bigot, but like, you know, that sketch, like it makes it made fun of people and religious people. And I've been fighting for it all week. I really thought it should get to air and I thought it was funny. And then she says, and you know what that sketch was called? <laughs> Crazy Christians. <laughs> and I it's lost it. It's framed as the, yeah, it's framed as like the smartest, like name drop, like, oh my God. It Wow. They went there. That That is nuts. That's Sorkin though. That's Sorkin maybe. But like, you can't do that Sorkin where you, it's like if in Jaws, you saw the fin for the whole movie, and then when Jaws comes out, it's like a hand puppet shark. Right. And you're like, bye, it's Jaws. My name's Jaws. Hey, he it's me, Jaws. Water. You can't do that. You can't build this ten- the tension around, this is the smartest, most genius sketch, like really skewering Christians, because they're crazy. They're not normal people. And I support that. Yeah. Me, a Christian, isn't that bunyonkers? And you're like, uh, is the episode over yet? <laughs> oh, that's what I need. That's why I'm here for Studio 60 is to get that every single episode. Just a moment like that. A crazy Christian's moment? Yeah. It's very likely we'll get plenty of that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, this is the, the last music transition I remember. Um, Six's favorite transition when we go from the car scene to the next one, which is when Jordan tells Matt and Danny that they get their job back. Uh, we cut from that with Under Pressure by Queen. But just the backing track. <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> and like one little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> you can't. I wonder if that was a licensing thing. <laughs> it's like no, as soon as I you get it, any I of the was, song you're, you're, it was you're, just more tasteful don't you understand taste alan i guess i don't understand taste. here i'm here from an anime podcast to explain to you how taste works <laughs> <laughs> also thematically what sense does it make that we're playing under pressure i think it's just because it sounds cool and because they're well, under pressure magellan yeah they're, listen <laughs> they just you took they do just, that in any show <laughs> you know you just crack the code they can and why doesn't every show use uh, under pressure right you're right it's just yeah, always you're appropriate right. you're right oh man uh so they get their show back the freaking amazing awesome love him producer guy gets his job back because he stuck to his principles mm-hmm. um so they give him his job back, like and then guy. she ends saying that they're gonna get um to air their sketch finally they're like, let's get to work. But not before they have a moment. Like, she walks away, and they have just another one of those, like, oh, my God, Sorkin moments where they're like, man, this lady's pretty amazing. She's smart and hot. I don't know if that's possible. Man, women, they're so cool. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Sorkin, you have to stop. Yeah. Sorkin, you have to go to jail. Sir, Aaron? Aaron. <laughs> I'm here. I'm the police. I think every I think every conversation where a character talks about Jordan, somebody says something about how she's attractive. Yep, pretty much. I think in every single one. There's an episode of The West Wing um, where they have like a late night party at the West Wing and then like 
the president and the chief of staff are aside talking and Bradley Whitford's character walks up and he's like, Hey, what are you talking about? And the president's like, Oh, we're just talking about these women. They're oh my so God. I've amazing. seen that one. Oh my God. I've seen that scene. <laughs> it's these just women what scene. Does. It's oh just what my does. God. That scene is nuts. <laughs> the West Wing sounds like it would actually shorten my lifespan and then ultimately kill me. It's, it's wild. It's definitely better though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the result. Well, of that. it also- except also, doesn't season one have this whole plot about how Rob Lowe's character's phone is with a prostitute or something? Yeah, yeah. Never mind. I, <laughs> maybe it's not better, <laughs> but it's definitely something. It's also like seventy-five thousand episodes, so that's True. how I wanted to talk about this. Because um, do we have any other notes about the episode? Oh, we talk about I have a couple. I have a couple stray things. Hit me I with can them. Toss part. on the Barbie here. Um, first of all, the thing that's going to be really f- shot, like jarring for me, uh, if we do this show every episode is it just doesn't look like it was made in the aughts. And then it's like, and our guest is Felicity Huffman and like, who's like, in this room? Oh, that's, that's three, six mafia's dressing room. And Oh, George Bush is on the stage and this thing looks for, I guess the camera they're using or something makes it look like an early West Wing episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that was that felt off. Um, what else? I love the control room operator guy. I thought his dialogue was really fun. And he does this organ stuff well. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I when, love that he's on the main poster of the show. Like, he's in every episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when Jordan says, let's talk in my office, and then she walks around, and then she's like, I don't know where my office is. That oh, I like good. that. Yeah. That was good. It's good. It's just it adds to that overall picture of like, oh, she's so quirky that we're gonna be shopping. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um dun, 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 dun. Oh, oh, yeah. My last two things are um I liked when uh Matt was like trying to get Danny to to stick around on the movie and he said, It's fine, like I'll I'll pay to to sponsor you or whatever it is. Um we can shoot in Vancouver. And then Danny's like, don't shoot in Vancouver. Vac- Vancouver doesn't look like anything. It's like Boston, California. And the way, unless I'm mistaken, it felt like the way that shot was framed, like close on their faces, but showing you a lot of the background was them trying to say like, look, we're shooting in Vancouver or them trying to say like, look, it's actually Los Angeles back there oh like it's trying to comment on that sort of yeah they were trying to do something cute with it but i couldn't really tell what and then it looks um, like it was filmed like california for what it's worth yeah warner brothers studio so i think that's what they were doing is they were saying like Mm -hmm. look we're actually here right in the thick of it right here on the 101 (laughs) um and then the last thing that i had oh and then sorry two more things the the, that final Jordan moment where they're like, hey, maybe she's all right. And is when she's like, we're going to start next week with crazy Christians. <laughs> hey, this lady's pretty cool. Um, and then they keep talking about Ricky and Ron. And I know, I think we do see Ricky and Ron, but I hope we never do. Because I love the idea of just always talking about these two writers that are just trash uh, mm-hmm. and never meeting them. Oh, I know who they are. Yes, I've seen these characters before. I was just double checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, ahead, the please. one note I wanted to talk about is I feel like this is a problem that I, it's just it feels very Sorkin's too old and too rich for mm-hmm. what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. 
because he's trying to make us feel bad for these characters, right? For like for Matt and Danny, but like mm-hmm. there's especially there's this point where like to punctuate a scene where it's like Dan- Danny, you can't work for two years. This is your only shot, and he's like, "Screw it, call down for my car." And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> "You're rich, my guy." Yeah, when they so said was 18 poison- months, it's like maybe that's fine. Maybe you can get yeah. some writing done. He'd Maybe he could just money. fucking go on vacation because he's yeah. apparently a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I, as someone, I don't know. need to. You don't need to get too much into this, but like, I've been unemployed for like long periods of time. It's it's mostly fine. <laughs> and also, when you're rich, it's super fine. You can just travel and have a great time. Like, what are you even saying? Um, my uh, in traditional Allen fashion, my my spare my notes are mostly about cameos. Um. The main guy of the media group that invites Jordan is the character Wilson White, played by Ed Asner, um, who's a very old actor um, who I know from. Uh, he's Santa in the movie Elf, uh, Elf, and also I believe he's a uh, Mermaid Man in SpongeBob SquarePants. If anyone knows that, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the other side character that I really liked is the guy who is their Don Pardo, um, goes by Herb Sheldon on this show. Uh, the actor is John F. Carpenter, and fun fact, he was also Herb Wilson on the newsroom so Hmm. who is the who's the guy who counts them down so basically sorkin just gets john f carpenter to come on shows to be like the introductory guy for the in-universe show which i think is a cute little thing Hmm. you know what i mean so uh there's those two and then technically not a cameo but felt like a cameo dl hewley very funny actor very cool dude and (laughs) is technically a main cast but as of this episode, at least, does not feel in the slightest like he's main cast mm-hmm. uh, because Aaron Sorgan doesn't know how to write people of color at all or know what to do with them. He's just like, I don't know, he's because he's the host. And I get that, like, he's not necessarily seeing behind the scenes stuff, but like he's there and he's got top billing. He's on the poster. Like, give the guy something to do. He'll get stuff to do. That's exciting. I'm, I'm hoping for him because I think it- he's, he seems fun. I find that it's best to hope that people don't get anything to do on the show because they will be happier that way. <laughs> Ultimately, that's better for them. But yeah, that's what I got. Um, to pivot, let's talk about chat's ability. Um, so this is what we say, 22 episodes. So that would be 11 episodes of chats. 11 weeks. I don't think that's too bad in the slightest. Uh, I always like to think about what extra Chris, I was like going through um, recently, like all the shows that we have piloted and want to pilot. And one of our tabs on our on our like spreadsheet is like, what would we do as extracurricular media? Um, is there are there books for this? Are there side series? What would you think would be good extracurricular media for Studio Sixty? I think it would be really fun if we like just watched good sketches, mm-hmm. you know, and just chatsums yeah. were only here are some sketches that are actually good by people who like sketch comedy. Uh, and it wouldn't even have to just be SNL. It's like here's like other sketch stuff that's very good too. You know, I mean, you do like Mitchell, uh, Mitchell and Webb. You can do. I mean, there's a bunch of great stuff out there. Oh yeah, uh, there's probably some good Kids in the Hall stuff that I'd, I'm not mm-hmm. familiar with for sure. For sure, uh, Whitest Kids is a. You have to be careful with that one, but they've got some good stuff. <laughs> I laughed at Whitest Kids, you know, in middle school. Maybe that stuff doesn't hold up, but yeah, some, be... some of it's some of it's a little like. Listen, they tried a little too hard to be edgy in some areas, but some of those yes. are really funny. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, and it's important to to note that like yeah, SNL is not the only important influential sketch comedy show that exists. 
out there so that would be that i think that'd be fun yeah has anyone ever asked sorkin if he was specifically doing snl maybe maybe that's why it starts in 1996 he's like he's like actually no i was <laughs> i was doing mitchell and webb that's what this is Each this is my every- this is my side universe where mr show is mainstream <laughs> <laughs> ew um <laughs> you know every single thing about this is snl down to like the guy being like and now welcome to you know all that sure so. sure okay. but yeah um so i think that would be cool um, I don't know. Are y'all? Would y'all be interested in chatting? And it seems like we we've discussed it before for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way we would do this is we would keep you on six. I think we would keep you on for main cast. Yeah, wow, I made I made the cut. Yes, you made the cut. It was tough. Is it just because it's Studio Six D? Well, I, that is a, that thing. is a big part of it. Yeah, that's okay. a huge part of it. Listen, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna any anything I could get any foothold. Like you know how many podcasts are willing to have me? None. I'm alone out here. It's funny because six hosts a thousand podcasts, <laughs> at least. Um, yeah, I think just because it would be more fun to keep goofing like this and not try to take this show too seriously because it's not, it doesn't warrant that. Uh, I think that that's where we would shine is like the three of us just having a good time. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like the way we wanted to do this, and I don't know how much of this we want to... Should I just tell the people how we're thinking about doing this? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So we're going to do Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, folks. This is not and so much of an if pilot chats as a when pilot chats. Um, the way we're kind of thinking about it is like Magellan and I and Six record a lot of podcasts a lot of times. Um, and we want to have a show that we can like record all the episodes of when we have the time and then not have like the discussions be timely at all. So they're just kind of uh, effer- effervescent is the word I'm looking for. No, timeless, whatever. Uh, evergreen is the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, effervescence is kind of the opposite of what you want. <laughs> yes. The kind of nothing. They want them to be evergreen. Just in one so ear out the other. They would just kind of be put into a vault, and then whenever we decide, like, oh, we're going to need a break, y'all can get a whole season of chats that might, like, be emails free or something, but mm-hmm. will, like, go up as main feed chats for, you know, uh, 11 weeks yeah, a couple while months, we yeah. take some sort of break or do whatever else we want to do. Yeah. Uh, so it you know who knows it'll 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 be a while before you get studio 6d on the sunset chats but uh i think it'll exist yeah i think like the vigor that we brought to this pod and to like our pre-episode discussion um it definitely inspired me to want to do this like i'm ready to battle aaron sorkin again i'm ready to fight him if he's not going to get another show we just have to keep digging back and backwards until we eventually have to watch uh the west wing and then yeah and then we die if he does get another show we are gonna watch it yep we all agreed if he does the newsroom again we're bringing back the chats room if he does another show we're gonna watch it like that's just what what's the angle if you want aaron sorkin to come back what is it like aaron sorkin does a show about behind the scenes at twitter oh the main character is a fictional version of jack oh my god (laughs) if silicon valley didn't already exist that probably would have been his next thing right it's like a startup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some sort of. Well, yeah. the thing is, he because I was gonna say like I would love to watch him do like retail, but he doesn't know how to do the middle class or the lo- like or just the lower class. No, no, no. He only knows how to do the people who are like industries know, run yeah. by rich people. Right, right. He has to. He has to have his characters make jokes about being out of touch because he's actually out of touch and they're not jokes to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he can't. He can't do it about business people, you know, like because that's mm. like mm. no, because he's he's a he's, he's a, a liberal. Yeah, I'm a liberal. 
Sorry, I said leftist. My mistake. That's yeah, not, no, not he a leftist. Is, he is not a leftist. <laughs> Certainly, in not. any way, shape, or form. Certainly not. He's a he's a lemon flavored centrist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! I was sitting in the park today and I heard people walking by and I just heard one guy go. And the thing about centrists is, and I was like, I need to follow you. <laughs> I want to follow you. <laughs> <laughs> and that man, Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about centrists is they're great, and you should marry one. No, no, please. <laughs> uh we don't want no centrists uh on this pod but we do want six to come back so uh thank you six for joining us on this episode of pilot chats you know it was a delight it's it's fun to be on a show with y'all it's fun to talk about uh western tv every now and then i think i bring this uh, unique perspective of being completely ignorant and stupid yeah um, (laughs) which you know is refreshing you know sometimes you're gonna have to explain what a camera is because those in my field we don't deal with those um but yeah it's, it's been it's been really nice to be here and also i like the show and it's nice to be on the show well thank you uh <laughs> you'll have to explain what a transition is because in my industry we call that isekai <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> man aaron sorkin doing an isekai no nope, nope, don't even get me freaking started i would never i would never watch it and if it was happening i would cancel that production you uh, alan yes yeah, you're telling me that if Aaron Sorkin did a live-action version of Sword Art Online, you would not watch that. Okay, you're right. It's already trash. Like, if he's going to deal with an already trash property, but I kind of like a lot of isekai, so I would be sad. Like, Aaron Sorkin.hack would break my heart. <laughs> that would be really tragic. It would be so sad. Um, but Six, since this is not your Patreon podcast um, currently, what's uh, where can people find you on the online? Um, so if you want to find me generally, I would recommend at 6Detmar on Twitter, S-A-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R, and then uh, ScanlineMedia.com or Patreon.com slash ScanlineMedia, which is where all, all my pods and writings go. I've been on some of those, actually. You have. You have. You've been on the Johto Quorum pretty regularly. You've been on the occasional episode of Oops All Anime. We featured you on Scanline Talks. I have too many podcasts. Pretty regularly. Like I think I've hit almost every single episode of the Johto Quorum, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Pretty much, if you yeah. if you if you add it up, I, you could all you could basically say I was a co-host on that one, but not necessarily. Um, Jones, do you want to tell the kids where we're watching next time? Oh boy, oh boy! I uh, look forward to hearing what Aaron Sorkin has to say about all that. <laughs> Please don't listen, to Aaron Sorkin. Okay. Anyway, we are glad that all of you chose to listen to this episode of Chats, a television podcast. Before you go, I just want to give you some information about how you can get in touch with and find uh, the show, as well as some exciting new things that have been happening uh, for our supporters. So first and foremost, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so in a couple of different ways. You can email us, chatspod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash chatspod, where you can also DM us if you'd like to do that for some reason. You can join a community of fellow listeners going back to old seasons of chats over at reddit.com slash r slash chats pod. Currently, they're about to revisit uh, Freaks Chats, our second season, our season on Freaks and Geeks. So that should be pretty fun. And then, of course, we would greatly appreciate it if you rate and review us on iTunes, um, Stitcher, whatever, Google podcasts that thing spotify can you review i don't know but wherever you can leave us a rating and a review we really appreciate it It helps folks find the show and it helps folks it helps folks know that uh, you like the show so thank you for that 
In terms of supporting the show with some moolah, you can do that over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash chatspod. And uh, some exciting things at the Patreon. At a dollar a month, you get access to my solo coverage of the X-Files called The Chats Files. And now also, a dollar a month and up gets access to our Chats Discord server. And things are popping off over there. People are chatting about different TV shows. Uh, we watch shows there together sometimes. There are some episodes where Alan and I are, are actually recording them in the Discord, and so you can kind of peek in on the process as, as the sausage is being made, so to speak. Um, so that's really exciting. And that's just at a dollar a month. At $3 a month, you get all of that, plus you get three bonus episodes per month, which, uh, and sometimes four, which could be us piloting shows, just like what you heard in this episode. Could be us doing movie commentaries, or it could be us just kind of hanging out and doing whatever it is we feel like doing that particular week. The month of January, a few things have come out so far. We've had a Chats Nights, that's just us sort of vibing to start the year. We've had a Pilot Chats where we piloted two miniseries, Vanity Fair and The Good Lord Bird. And then next Saturday, we are going to be uh, doing some some uh, bedtime stories, some reading to help you fall asleep, I suppose. And then we're going to end the month with a commentary of Tron Legacy. At $5 a month on the Patreon, you're just doing that because you like us, and we really appreciate that, and uh, we'll love you eternally for doing so. The other thing that's happening right now is that our patrons, uh, either now or very soon, are going to be getting first looks at our new website, which is going to be really cool. Uh, so if you want to help us build out that website and make it look awesome, you can become a patron, give us some feedback before we roll it out, you know, to the whole world, uh, the whole worldwide web very shortly. Thank you again so much for listening, folks. We really, really appreciate it. We'll be back next week with the very first episode of Sunset Chats on the first two episodes of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. And, uh, oh, oh, you know what? You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually read you the episode descriptions. So first up, we are watching episode one, Pilot, which we watched for this episode as well. The executive producer of a late night sketch comedy show sparks a media frenzy when he has an on-air meltdown during a live broadcast. And then there's some other description, but you just heard us talk about that. We're also going to be watching episode two, The Cold Open. Matt and Danny have five days to put together their first show, which is receiving enormous media attention, and Harriet tries her best to work with Matt. In the meantime, Jordan puts her new job on the line by facing down pressure due to a controversial sketch amidst criticism from sponsors and affiliates scared of alienating Christians. Also, staff writers Ricky and Ron, who were catalysts for Matt and Danny's initial departure, express their dismay at being made to work for Matt. Just reading that makes me want to watch all of Studio 60 all over again. So I'm I'm jealous of the journey that all of you are about to go on. Thank you again so much for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. Until then, restart the clock. <laughs> <laughs>